the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right. It is a Wednesday, and being Wednesday, we can do this. Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is. It's hump day. Woo-hoo! It's hump day. That's exactly what day it is. And uh, we have been graced today, <clears throat> excuse me, with uh, Congressman French Hill coming into the studio. Thanks for coming in. It's 71 degrees. <laughs> yeah, it's nice out it right now. It was so now. nice out, I wanted to come see you. It, it, it will not be nice later today, though. It will get hot again later today. It's just going it's to, it's, it's August. It's supposed to be hot. It's supposed to be hot. But last night we were on the football field at uh, UCA for the student-athlete kickoff. With a barbecue and that kind of yeah. thing. And it was so pleasant. People were going, God, this is like spring. It was so nice out there. It was a breeze. They forgot what spring is like, that's but right. that's all right. Yeah. It's just after, been so after hot. so hot. They've been conditioned. I mean, I'm, I look at those folks that live out in Phoenix, and everybody's already talking about, it's hotter now than it's ever. No, it's not. Please stop. Stop it. Stop it. Drives me crazy, these climate people. But 125 degrees? When I went out to the uh, the National Association, of, not National Association, pardon me. When I went out to uh, uh, the gun show that was out there a few years back, it was 132 degrees the day that it opened. And it was hot. Guess what? It's, it's Phoenix. It's Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way. It, people don't live during the day at Phoenix. They're all vampires. They come out at night. <laughs> That's exactly the way that they live I Remember, out there. all those people chose to move there. Yes, they did. And that because you know why they want to be there? Because it's hot. Yeah. That's why they want to be there. All right. Let's talk serious now. Let's talk about what's going on in in Congress and in the Senate. Y'all are trying to get things together as far as the budget is concerned. The the House is doing it right. You guys are taking each one of the things you're supposed to take, figuring out how much money you're going to spend, and then you throw over to the Senate. The Senate, they're lost in I don't know what's their problem. They can't figure it out. Well, I will say this for Patty Murray, the Democrat leading the Senate Budget Committee, compared to Pat Leahy or even Republican Richard Shelby of Alabama. Right. They both loved Omnis, and Patty's moved all the bills in the Senate this year. The problem is that they're spending more money than we have uh, to spend, and they're bumping the caps that were in the Biden-McCarthy deal. Which means that, you know, we're not going to have a better, very satisfactory situation. And what really concerns me is they've got a lot of Republican support. So that's why we have to do our job in the House. We've passed all the bills now in the committee, but we've only passed one bill across the House floor with just Republican votes. So Democrats are not going to support these appropriations no. bills. And from what I've seen, I haven't read every word, but from talking to the committee and talking to Steve Womack, who's on the Appropriations Committee, they're hitting in right around 98% of the Biden-McCarthy uh, number. So okay. they came in a little lower That's on purpose, good. 
on purpose, knowing they've got to negotiate with the Senate. But the problem is, and this is a problem if you want to have clout to get a deal, uh, we've only passed one across the House floor. And for us to have credible ability to get rid of Nancy Pelosi's policies, institute Republican policies, institute the Republican spending and regulatory policies, you've got to pass these bills. This is what my message is to the handful of people who think we should just have a continuing resolution next year. Right. That is Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden spending from last year into the next year with no policy changes. Now, let me let me run over some figures yeah. I got here. Okay. Uh, predicted fiscal deterioration over the next three years with federal deficit increasing from 3.7% of GDP in 2022 to 6.9% in 2025. That's not holding the line. That's letting the line continue to expand. Right. Uh, you got uh, the debt-to-GDP ratio is expected to rise from 112.9% this year to 118.4% by 2025, which is two and a half times the AAA median of 39.3% of GDP. We cannot keep this up. I mean, I, already, who was it? Fitch said, yeah, you can't keep it up. Is anybody ever going to take this seriously? Well, Nance, uh, uh, Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, said that Fitch was using outdated data and not taking into account President Biden's reforms. Well, of course not. No. So <laughs> yesterday, CBO released, revenues are down 10 percent, expenses, spending, Federal spending is up 10%. Unsustainable. Fitch uh, did their downgrade because we have a mess on our hands because the pandemic, as I've said on this show many times, has not only killed a lot of Americans and made a lot of Americans sick and a lot of kids behind in learning, it's like removed the budget cells in the brains of our government. And yeah. we're spending money uh, like there's no consequence of a budget deficit. And you know, look at where we were in the Reagan administration. We'll give everybody a little history lesson. We were at debt was 30% of GDP. People were going nuts about, oh, how are we going to get this budget balanced? And it defeated President H.W. Bush, Bush 41. And the budget was balanced by Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton yep. for basically three fiscal years before 9-11. It can and be done. It can be done, but it takes bipartisan support because you've got to reform these enormous demographic programs, and you've got to have priorities. And I don't—I just don't think we have a sense for priorities. You know, I think defending the country is a priority. Is really, you know, a eight percent increase for National Public Radio a priority? No, you know, and so that's why the Republicans that should go away. Yeah. That's why Republicans had done the – we proposed $4 trillion in cuts. We got two. I know people are unsatisfied with that. I am too. And the reason we're dissatisfied is because of the stats you just gave us. Well, you know what I'm dissatisfied? I'm dissatisfied with my fellow Americans. I mean, I look around. It's, it, this is driven by people that live in this country. It's right. not just driven by politicians. It's yep driven by the people who live in this country. We got a spending problem in our own heads. Yeah. Well, in our own in our own households for a lot of people. Yeah, we just we just passed a trillion dollar of uh credit of debt into credit cards. Yeah. yeah. But think about this. Uh 
this is when I nominated McCarthy for speaker, and I thought McCarthy was the best choice for speaker, and I think McCarthy's delivered on the promises that he made since he's been speaker. Let me put, get that advertisement out of the way. But my theme was balanced budgets. Allegation was McCarthy won't fight to lower federal spending. I he said, has. I think, I think he will. And I, get, I held up a blank sheet of paper, which I got in a lot of trouble for on national TV. You don't ever hold up a blank sheet of paper. I've learned that. Okay. Because people write on it and then make a meme out of it for whatever right. they want. But what I said was, this is the list of people that have written me, and you, I think you commented on it the next week on the show. These are the list of people who write me to cut federal spending. That's right. It's a very, very small list. It's not zero because the Heritage Foundation writes me. You write me. I write myself. But – Rank-and-file American citizens, county judges, governors. Send me more. It's more. And it's, it's more on every topic. We don't ever narrow the topic. We just broaden it. And I got uh, – it made an impact because we got a lot of mail in the office about it that, well, I'll write you and tell you how to cut spending, and I'll tell you what. Okay, but. Yeah, cut this, but don't cut that. Right. So it's about priority setting, and I don't know, you know, enforcement is what always is tough. Now, for 10 years, from Obama and Boehner, after the government shut down post-Obamacare, they did a deal on discretionary spending with caps, and it lasted until uh, the first year of President Trump. Why? Trump wanted to make changes in the defense budget because it had been starved during Obama. Mm -hmm. But what Trump did that, in my view, he should not have done, and we would have backed him, was go dollar for dollar with Nancy Pelosi on domestic spending. And he did. I mean, he did. I mean, this is, this is what I say. People go, oh, in the government shutdowns or debt ceiling fights, Trump, he, he, they never did a clean debt ceiling for Trump. I said, uh, well, yeah, because they, he actually agreed with them to spend more money. <laughs> so here's my question. Yeah. We always talk about the spending that we can effectively affect, all right? But there's just all this spending that's sitting over here, like, to the left yeah. that you can't even take on because the law says you can't take it on unless you specifically go in and open it up and try to change it completely, right. like Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and all the rest. And how much of that makes up all of this p problem that we've got? It's, it's spending that's just building on itself yeah. all the time by itself. It's three-quarters of federal spending. Okay, so don't. you guys can't even touch that. No. This debate that people raise holy heck about is on 25% of the budget, which is where the defense budget is, public school, you know, public school stuff, mm -hmm. opioid fighting, uh, national parks. All that's about, uh, you know, $1.6 trillion out of a f now, thanks to Joe Biden, $6 trillion budget. It was $4.6 trillion. Mm -hmm. But it has exploded, and all that is not mandatory spending, which is what we were trying to claw back in the debt ceiling deal. But this is why it does take bipartisan creativity in order to get those long-term reforms. Is there enough of that that you see even in the near or far future that they'd be willing to open those programs up and say, we got to change them? 
You know, I, I don't think so. I'll give you an example. Tom Cotton and I, since 2015, that's a long time ago now, I've proposed changes to the Social Security disability system. Mm-hmm. So that if you're under whatever the age is, uh, 54, I think, and you want to go on disability because you've got a legitimate workplace injury, I wanted it so, well, maybe you could get another job and go off of it. Like, it's not a permanent decision from age 54 to age 65. Right. But it is for a lot of people. And, you know, when someone really doesn't need it and takes it, they're taking money, borrowed money, that should have gone to a very troubled young child who should be on it or a really injured person who should be on it. So I couldn't get a hearing in a Republican Ways and Means Committee or a Democratic Ways and Means Committee. Just a hearing on Social Security disability program reform ideas from anybody. Says a lot. It says a lot. It says a lot. All right. Let me tell everybody about Gary Garrison. I've been talking with Gary now for several months. I hope that you've called him Asset Protection Wealth Management. Excuse me. Uh, His phone number is 501-225-9045. And if you're getting ready to retire... Or if you already are retired. Now, look, I haven't retired yet. I'm 70 years old. I haven't retired yet. And I'm in that group of people now that says, hmm, probably will never retire. I just don't see that it's it's a possibility. So I'm going to work the rest of my life. It's just And, and that's not a big deal because I like to work. I like the job that I do. So that's no big deal. But there's a lot of you that are out there that even uh, are younger than I am, uh, a lot of you, uh, that are in your you know late forties, you're in your uh, your mid fifties, and you're going. How can I retire with things the way they are and the way things are looking in the future? Well, that's a good question to get answered by Gary Garrison and let him talk to you about it. Maybe you don't retire, but you need to be prepared to be able to keep on going if things you know take a really bad downturn. And if you are retired, you got to make sure that your money lasts longer than you do. Because the last thing you want to do is to be finishing up your life and you don't have any dollars, you know, out there. You don't have any any money. Uh, that would be a, you know, you don't want to be a Walmart greeter at 92 years old. You just don't want to do that. So call and talk to Gary Garrison about this. 501-225-9045. And by the way, nothing wrong with being a Walmart greeter. if You enjoy being a Walmart greeter. But uh, 501-225-9045, make an appointment, get a free no-obligation time to sit down and talk to Gary Garrison and make sure you're at the right place at the right time. All right, let's finish up this uh, interview with Congressman uh, Hill. He is sitting in the studio today. Uh, Just recently, Fitch uh, rated us or downgraded us from our federal debt from AAA to AA+. We put the plus in there. Yep. And put the plus in there. That makes it a little bit different. What do you see with that? Is this like in the background, like when you're on the submarine and you start hearing the, the klaxon going off, that there's a problem that you should be taking care of? The drip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the last time our country was downgraded was in the aftermath of the financial crisis uh, in 2011. And Congress actually reacted and uh flattened out spending. We actually had a reduction in discretionary spending from 2011 to 2019, and so I think they they listened. I don't see any evidence that that's the case this this time. 
And I don't see the American people, you know, bringing out pitchforks on Fitch's downgrade. Nope. So, to me, it's downgraded for substantial, legitimate reasons. It's not a knee-jerk issue uh, like Janet Yellen is asserting the Treasury Secretary. I think it's because they see sustained, prolonged, $1.5 trillion-plus deficits per year, which is what Biden is forecasting. And this is in his Bidenomics, you know, home run plan he's got cooking. Vote for me. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. uh, so— We've had uh, – I just see it – I see interest as a percentage of the budget going to like 14% in the next year or so. If interest rates stay in this range, that makes it the second largest expense to the Defense Department, not including all the mandatory spending programs, but in the discretionary budget. Right. So we're going to start crowding things out. Interest will start crowding out, you know, the ability for uh, – Bruce Westerman to pass a new habitat protection bill or build some more, more C-130J models for the Little Rock Air Force Base at some point. Well, something's got to give. I mean, you can't just have everything. And do, do the American people know what they want? That Now, that's not a fair question because you get constant calls and letters about do this, do that, right. and, and whatever. But look, if we if we could get if here's uh, here's a prediction I would make, and it would take it'd be over a 20-year period. If we reformed the Social Security and Medicare system, doesn't affect anybody who's on it today or nearly on it at all, and we set priorities in that domestic discretionary budget, including defense versus the national public radio, then <coughs> we would we would see interest rates uh, moderate, and we would see uh, that forecast look more sustainable and we wouldn't be looking at one and a half trillion dollar budget deficit so this is why i support a balanced budget amendment to the constitution but reluctantly because as you pointed out we shouldn't have to do that we shouldn't have to be made to do it but i don't understand unless the american people are going to be the enforcement mechanism for the elected officials i don't know what other enforcement mechanism will work well over in the senate i showed you this before we started the show they got a couple of bills that are really good. We talked a little bit about those off the, off the air. But they have Senate Joint Resolution 19. It's a resolution. To me, that's a nothing. That's no. like spitting in a bucket somewhere. It's a sense of the Congress that this is a problem and we want to vote on it, and it's essentially a free vote. So even one of the biggest spenders in Congress would vote, yeah, yeah sure, sure, that's important. Right. So this is why a balanced budget amendment that structured – uh, to deal with uh, the rate of economic growth, it, uh, emergencies in case of war, things like that. Um, that's what we need to do. In fact, if, if the budget just simply grew roughly at the GDP rate of growth or slightly below it, that would be a self-fulfilling prophecy over a long period of time of getting things back in line. But that's not the way we're built because three-quarters of the budget, as we just talked about, is demographically based and based uh, in and around a lot of very expensive stuff in our society like health care so that medicare budget based on you and i being over 65 years old etc 
is growing at 6% a year, even if the economy is growing between 2 and 3. So mm-hmm. that's unsustainable what, the way it is. Uh, it's not, you know. And, and, and Unless so, you're a Democrat and you're a new kind of Keynesian and you don't believe that money has any kind of intrinsic value at right. all. And, and they've signed off on it. Pelosi's green-lighted that in the Democratic Party in the House. It's called Modern Monetary Theory, MMT. Mm-hmm. Their budget committee chairman in the last two Congresses under her leadership said there is no limit to what we can borrow and spend as long as we're spending it on behalf of the United States people. Now, this is so arrogant because you're impoverishing the world. That means you suck in money into this country to fund our budget deficit, impoverishing the rest of the world while, you know, we we spend more money on things that we don't really have as a priority. It's really arrogant. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.